Kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. Sunday we light a candle and we lean into these four themes of of Advent and that is hope which was last week, peace which is today, joy next Sunday then love and then on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day we light the Christ candle to help us remember Jesus is coming. We've created some resources for you that you can do this actually at home with your flatmates, with your friends, with your neighbours, with your family. And so you can find them on the website, but we've also got a bunch of these out on the info table that you can take home if you would like to create a new Christmas tradition. And, uh, and each week as well, which will also be on the website, or you can pick them up from home, uh, from here rather, on Sunday mornings, we've got like a weekly reflection on the theme that we are leaning into that week. And so this week we have peace. Because we didn't get together last week, we also have hope out on the table if you'd like it. So our peace and our hope as followers of Jesus grows and flourishes because of our growing confidence in God's loving and faithful character. Our peace is anchored not in an idea, but in a person, the person of Jesus. So we're going to light, hopefully. This is the only thing I'm going to light. So this one's last week's candle. That's hope. And this is peace. And why don't we pray? Father God, through Jesus, you come to give us peace again today. The peace that we long for. Jesus, we choose to put our trust in you again today. And we ask that you would come, that you would fill us again with your Holy Spirit and help us to follow you more nearly. Lord, just come and give us the gift of your peace, we pray, as we fix our hearts and our minds on Jesus once again. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to just leave that there, but we're going to shift gears. And we're going to, over the next few weeks, Uh, work our way through an Advent series. Now, over the next three Sundays, we're using the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, and we're going to explore the Christmas story in three parts and take a fresh look at Christmas. We're going to look at the Annunciation. That's the first part. It's the part where the angel comes, meets with Mary, tells her the good news of what's going to happen. And then the next part, part two, is the birth of Jesus. And then the third part is the revelation of Jesus' birth. And it's interesting who, God's, who God invites into that in the first place. Today, we're going to look at an unexpected visit and see the story through the eyes of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, you've got to remember that our gospel accounts are not biographies, which is a bit of a shame because I actually really like a good biography. I like all the details, you know, like where it kind of fleshes it out, helps you get to know the people, all of that kind of thing. We don't get that in the Gospels. What we get are like the pivotal moments, the key pieces that the authors wanted us to make sure that we got a hold of. 
So that's what we're going to base our journey on. Now, Mary, she was a young peasant girl. She came, uh, became historically and globally famous, but that was really unexpected because of her part in co-creating with God. She was about 13 or 14 years old. She was betrothed to a young man named Joseph. She came from a small town called Nazareth, and she was an, among or lived among and was a people group that were being oppressed by an oppressive foreign dictatorship. Of all of the people that you would think that God might partner with to bring his redemption story into the world and bring it to life, she was probably one of the least uh, expecting it. Let's take a look and see what his plan was. And if you have your Bibles with me, you can open up in Luke chapter 1, 26, and we'll read through to verse 38. Now, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You've got to remember that every other account that ever tells us about anyone coming face to face with an angel all through the Old Testament, they are on their faces groveling because the, the power and the awesomeness of these creatures just blow their minds. So I'm actually super impressed that she has the wherewithal to be able to kind of hold herself together and wonder what's going on. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and you will be, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age, in her old age, sorry, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And then the bit that has got to be just one of the most amazing responses ever. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left. Talk about expecting the unexpected and sort of just having a role with something that she would never have anticipated. This is a young girl that would never have thought that she would be someone that would be chosen by God. So right from the get-go, we see God is showing us the upside-down nature of his kingdom. Isn't that often the way? So God sends an angel, Gabriel, and he drops in to visit Mary. Not something she was likely expecting in her day. And even though she would have grown up hearing the prophecies of her people, she would have heard the stories of the history of of her people, all of the times that they experienced God's protection, God's provision, God's leading, the prophetic 
leaning into the day that he was going to make all things right, that he was going to send a Messiah. She's growing up hearing that her whole life. She was, as all her people were, looking forward to the day that the Messiah would arrive. But she never would have imagined that she would have a part to play in God's plans. Do we ever feel like that? I don't know about you, but I often look at the things that disqualify me or that I think disqualify me from being able to participate in what God's up to. I wonder if that's part of why we get to know someone like Mary. As far as we're told, there was nothing that made her special in any way. She was young. You've got to remember, we got to, let's shift our mindset. We're not, you know, 20, 20 in Western country. Go back to ancient Israel. It was a patriarchal society. Women had no voice, no power, no autonomy. Every decision in her life would have been made by a man. Her father, her brothers, grandfather. She would have had no freedom to make any kind of choices herself. She was young. The young are usually more vulnerable. They are not uh, highly thought of, respected, or you know, given honor as our elders often are. She had no wealth. She was a peasant. She had no education. She had no social or religious position or heritage. None of that. So none of the things, because doesn't, doesn't big important things, doesn't, doesn't God use important people for that stuff? Have you ever slid into thinking that? Well, it couldn't possibly be something that he would want me to do because that's for the important people. That's for the people who've got it together. Those are for the smart, the educated, the wealthy, the whatever we use. And yet here we see God step into history and take a young girl who really on the surface of things possibly we wouldn't have picked. But I suspect he saw her heart because what happens next is the most unexpected, beautiful, inspiring, and challenging thing. Mary makes a choice. And that is huge. Within the context of her world and her life and her experience, God dignifies her by giving her the freedom to choose. He does that with all of us. We are always given the freedom to choose, but we sort of take that a little bit for granted because we've grown up in a world where we have that right. For Mary, that would not have been the case. There is no male family member there when Gabriel meets with her. She is given the opportunity to choose for herself, and that is massive. He dignifies her with autonomy and personal power when most of her life circumstances would never have done that. And what does she choose to do with her freedom? She surrenders it to God. She yields. She gives God an all-access pass to the whole of her life, present and future, body, soul, and spirit. Every part of her, she surrenders and says yes. Remember that our writers of the Gospels give us the most important pieces. We don't know how long that conversation took. We don't know if Mary needed some time to think about it. You know, like she might have just gone, oh my goodness, 
give me a moment. Hang on. We don't know that. Or was it an immediate sort of heartfelt, yes, I'm in? We don't know. But what they want to make sure we do know is that she chose and said yes. Let's just think about her choices in this moment of unexpected encounter and invitation. First of all, she gives her consent and accepts God's plan. Has anyone wrestled with that? Or am I the only one? I mean, seriously, it is not always simple, right? Saying yes to that. Because a lot of the time, we don't have all the details. We don't know what's coming. We don't know the ramifications. We don't know the ripple effects, you know? And yet God says, but will you say yes? Will you? Mary shows us that we can. Mary shows us what surrendering herself to God looks like. I mean, how does she do this within her context? She's choosing to trust the God that she has been learning about her whole life. She's taking him at his word. She's leaning into the scriptures that have shaped her, that have formed her, all of the stories that she's been told of her people, of their history with God. She's leaning into everything that she knows about God to be able to have hope and peace about the decision that she's making. She has been taught to anchor her heart in him. And that's where her yes can come from. Remember right at the very beginning when we're looking at these Advent candles, it's like our flourishing, our hope, our peace, our joy comes out of our growing confidence in God's faithfulness. All of our peace, all of our hope, all of our joy, all of our love, everything that we celebrate and we lean into at Advent is all anchored in who he is, his character, how he has shown us this. And for Mary, she would have grown up learning the Psalms. So did Jesus. It was the prayer book of their people. Psalms like Psalm 71 verse 5. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O God, from my youth. Psalm 33:18 Behold the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him on those who hope in his steadfast love That is where her confidence comes from That gives her the ability the courage to surrender herself to God because she trusts him And that's a growing thing right for each one of us We don't just get there we can't just drum it up. I think that God gives us the gift of that at times of courage and of faith to just go, yes, even though I don't really know what that means yet. But trust is something that grows, that's built. And as we develop our own track record with God, as our family develops their own track record, as parents, tell the stories to your children of all of the things that God has done for you and your family so that they can borrow your faith as they're developing their own, as they have, so then gives them something to solid to lean into. That's what Mary was doing. She's leaning into her people's history as well as her own. And she chose to believe that what God says he will do. She chooses excitement. And what could have been, a, well, probably was actually something of a troubling situation. She knew that people were not going to believe her. I mean, really? 
Right. Pregnant. By the Holy Spirit. Right. You know? Really? Am I the only skeptical person in the room? I mean, I love to think that I would be, you know, have my eyes open to everything that God is doing, but I, I miss it. I could have missed it when, if I'd known her. She knows she's going to be misunderstood. She knows she's not going to believe. She doesn't even know if Joseph is going to believe her and stand by her. He has every reason and every right not to. She knows that she risks being ostracized from her family and from her people. She grew up in this town of Nazareth, which they think was about two to 400 people, which when you think about large extended families and clans, it's a place where everybody knows everybody. There's a beautiful thing to that, but hard stuff to do with that as well, if you've ever grown up in a small town. So she knew she could lose all of that. She could become that girl. And in her culture, to be that girl, you can be stoned to death. She knew all of that. She chooses trust. Her confidence is in God, not in all of that, not even in herself, because she knows that within her context that she can't actually look after herself easily or well in that situation. She has to trust. She goes to celebrate with someone who will get it. The angel reminds her, your cousin Elizabeth is also carrying a miraculous child. Her cousin Elizabeth had also had an encounter with Gabriel. Her cousin Elizabeth, who was old and beyond being able to have children, she had been barren for years, she'd gotten past the age of being able to bear children, and yet... God met with her, told her husband, I'm going to give you the son that you've been longing for. And she's now six months pregnant. So who does Mary want to go see? Her cousin Elizabeth, who gets it, who knows the same kind of miraculous, unexpected encounter that has changed her life. We're in this together. When God calls us into unexpected things, when he calls us and invites us into surrendering ourselves, surrendering our hopes, our plans, our expectations, we do that in the company of others. Because if we talk to each other beyond the how you're doing, how's your Christmas shopping going, uh, what's your plans for the summer, if we get beyond that, then we may hear some of our stories of how God has led us into things that we would never have expected. This, for me, is one of them. Me, doing this, with you, like this. Never thought I would do this with my life, ever. I grew up in a small town in the Eastern Bay of Plenty where everyone knows everyone. Never thought I would be a pastor. And yet it's, like, it's been one of the most stretching things I've ever done and one of the things that has given me the most joy in my life. I'm so grateful, and I'm one of many, because God has called all of us into different things and to stretch us and grow us in different ways. And as we lend each other courage, as we share our stories with one another, that's, you know, we kind of like, yeah, I get it. So that's what Mary went and did. She went to see Elizabeth. Who would get it? And as she comes towards Elizabeth, she bursts forth 
into spontaneous song and worships God. Her song came out of this shared dream that she now found herself caught up in. N.T. Wright, who's one of our favorite theologians, he says this, Mary and Elizabeth, like so many Jews of their time, searched the scriptures, soaked themselves in the Psalms and prophetic writings which spoke of mercy, hope, fulfillment, reversal, revolution, victory over evil, and of God coming to the rescue at last. As Mary approaches Elizabeth, Elizabeth's baby leaps within her womb, and she cries out, be blessed. And then Mary's response is just like overflowing excitement and awe at what God has got her in the middle of. So let's look at her song, because this is part of her response. And imagine this as being sung out in passionate, spontaneous, awe-filled excitement that's sung to the clapping of hands and the stomping of feet, but I'm not doing that this morning because I don't know how the tune went. <laughs> but I'll tell you. Luke 1, 46 to 55. And Mary said, well, actually, she sang, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. She had no idea that we would still be talking about her to this day. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation, and he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary is borrowing from prophetic scripture, recalling the words from her childhood, championing hope and declaring God's justice. This is a dangerous song of God's faithfulness. This is a dangerous song to be singing in Roman-occupied territory, declaring someone other than Caesar as king. It is a song of God's faithfulness, and it was that faithfulness that enabled Mary to surrender herself to him. N.T. Wright again, it's the gospel before the gospel. A fierce, bright shout of triumph 30 weeks before Bethlehem, 30 years before Calvary and Easter. It goes with a swing and a clap and a stamp, and it's all about God, and it's all about revolution, and it's all because of Jesus. Jesus, who's only just been conceived, not yet born, and who has made Elizabeth's baby leap for joy in her womb and has made Mary giddy with excitement and hope and triumph. This was Mary's response. It's inspiring, hey? But I also find it deeply challenging. She shows us what a life fully yielded to God looks like, to his plans and his purposes, a life that is anchored in hope, 
bubbling excitement, uncontainable joy, risk-taking trust, and bold declaration. When I die, I would love someone to be able to talk about me with those kinds of adjectives. That that was what characterized my following of Jesus. She's such an example to us of someone that makes choices that aligns with living out her faith, of living the things she says she believes. And so today, as I bring things to a close, here's some questions that I've found myself pondering and I invite you to consider as well. Am I, are we making these same kinds of choices? Are we using our God-given freedom wisely and in a way that honors him? Are we living a truly surrendered life? And if not, what's getting in the way? I had a conversation just this last week with someone, and we were talking about this whole thing of surrendering ourselves, that it's a really easy thing to say. It's a really challenging thing to do. I think within our cultural context, we can slip into this thing of like cherry picking. It's like a bit like being at the pick and mix thing at the supermarket. It's like we pick out our favorite bits about following Jesus and we leave the rest. That's actually not an option. If we are choosing to follow Jesus, if we are going to take him up on his invitation for a life lived with him, that means we, we really need to be all in. Mary was all in. That's what it looks like. Am I? Are you? Are we trying to make decisions that align with what we say we believe and deeply value? Does our life reflect that? Or are we taking a pick and mix approach to our following of Jesus? I think that God's invitation to us today as we continue our Advent journey to remembering when Christ came is for us to rethink. In this year, like I've chatted to people lately who haven't been back to church because they've kind of slid out of the practice, out of the rhythm of it. They've slid out of the rhythm of regular prayer or just time with him because this year has just been messy. It's been hard. It's challenged you know, like, has anyone else struggled with any kind of rhythms? Like, you used to do exercise real good, and then you sat at home and eat way too much junk food um, in the lockdowns, and then just kind of lost your motivation somewhere along the way? Or you'd do study. Like, for our students that have actually managed to succeed through a year of study this year, I'm like, hats off to you, because I know that's, like, really hard. So disruptive. The same thing is having an impact on us and our relationship with God for many of us. So this Advent season, what a wonderful opportunity to just rethink, to revisit, where am I in this? And let's have Mary and her experience, her uh, perspective of this part of the story inspire us and call us forward and show us what we could be like. What might God's rule and reign look like in my life today, in your life? How might he be wanting to release hope or peace or risk-taking trust in your life today? We sang this morning about his overwhelming... Hello. 
What a great team. Thank you. But we sang about God's overwhelming, never-ending, and reckless love that pursues us. He's pursuing us today, just as he was when he sent his son into the world all those years ago. Why don't we stand? Um, Josh, can I have you and the team up? God just wants to invite us to take a moment. Life is full right now, isn't it? On top of what has been a stretching year for many of us, we're now in the thick of that last few weeks where everything's wrapping up, trying to get everything done, ready for Christmas, ready for stopping. But it can feel a little mad. (laughs) Like we can feel a little stretched, a little bit too thin. And so I wonder if the invitation to us today is just to stop and to ask some of these questions of ourselves. To have a moment of reflection and to choose. To choose. Just close your eyes where you are. The only reason we do that is we're just slightly less distracted. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd come and that you would meet with each one of us. Help us to notice what you want each of us to notice this morning. Is your invitation to living a more surrendered life, to yielding ourselves to you? Is our invitation to lean into trusting you more? Is it to surrender to your overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love that pursues us today. To receive the gift of hope or peace in the person of Jesus. Why don't you take whatever has struck you this morning or stuck with you or caught your attention, just turn that as simply and honestly as you can into a prayer. Just quietly where you are, just pray it on the inside, but respond, because Jesus is here. Come, Lord Jesus. So Jesus, we are here again, grateful to be here. And as best we know how, Lord, we surrender ourselves to you. And we ask that you would come and that you would fill us again, that you would meet each one of us again. 
and keep leading us on into more of you. But I pray, God, that this Christmas, this Advent, that we wouldn't be the same this time next year. That some of the choices that we make today and in the weeks to come, Lord, as we reflect on you, as we reflect on the hope that you bring, the peace that you offer us, the joy that we get to live into and the love that we get to receive. And as we celebrate Jesus, I pray, God, that you would stir our hearts to choose you over and over and over again in ways that change our lives and change us from the inside out so that as we look at ourselves in a year's time, we would go, oh my goodness, I am not who I was in December 2020. And how happy I am about that. That we would be nearer to you. That we would be more whole, more healed, more hopeful that you would have your way increasingly in our lives. Well, thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or, of course, we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Odewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.